Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to the team behind Slightly Foxed, the independent literary magazine that was launched 15 years ago as an antidote to the corporate machine of chain bookshops and celebrity book publishing. Travelling around and visiting magazine makers where they work, you sometimes come across spaces that are a perfect reflection of the magazine itself, and that's absolutely the case with Slightly Foxed, which is made in a lovely, homely, unassuming little space. Gail Perkis is one of the editors and co-founders, and she tells the first part of the magazine's story, but then you'll also hear from the rest of the team about how the business has grown organically over the years. They're all very modest and maybe sometimes a little bit embarrassed about describing the minutiae of what they do, but I hope that doesn't obscure from the fact that this is a really smart operation which has managed to build up a loyal readership to create that holy grail of independent publishing, which is a small, sustainable business. It was lovely to meet all of them, plus Tarka, the office dog, who you'll hear gnawing away during our conversation. So I hope you'll enjoy this encounter with the team behind Slightly Foxed. All right, so we have a, a little dog munching sound uh, in the background, but um, as well as Tarka, the dog, uh, I'm joined by uh, Gail, Jenny... Uh, Anna, Olivia, and Hattie, all from Slightly Foxed. Hello, everyone. Hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a, a very lovely place that you have here. So um, maybe someone could start us off by telling us what exactly is Slightly Foxed. Okay. Um, Slightly Foxed is a quarterly magazine about books written for people who love books. And it has been going for 15 years. And uh, we started uh, as a, a counterblow to chain bookshops and celebrity publishing and big corporations. Okay, because there are, there are lots and lots of publications out there about books. I mean, the, the Sunday supplements have stuff about books. The, like, what, what do you guys do that is fundamentally different to all of that? Um, most reviews that you'll read in the national press about books are very much stand back and make a judgment. Um, and they're obviously there on the whole, they're new books that they're reviewing. So they are standing back and saying, you know, well, is this a good book or is this not a good book? We are doing something completely different. We are asking people to write about books that they've known for a long time and that they love. So their articles are heartfelt recommendations for things that they've enjoyed and um, some judgment goes on in their articles but on the whole it's just, um, like a well-read friend enthusing about something and um, it's rooted in this, the very firm belief that reading is all about pleasure um, and, and that is the main, the main criterion. And it works. I, I could tell you it works because I'm sort of scared to pick up a copy of Slightly Foxed because I know that I mean, I've got a pile of magazines I need to be reading at home. But if I read Slightly Foxed, I am going to want to then go and buy a bunch of books because you've got, as you say, you've got these very impassioned people talking about exactly why you really need to read this particular book. Where, where did that formula first come from? Um it evolved when, when uh, the three of us who started it uh, back in uh, 
2003, had all worked in publishing for a long time. So and, who, who are the three of you? Uh, Hazel Wood, who's my fellow editor, and Stephanie Allen, who does marketing and publicity for us. And we'd all worked together at John Murray, the publishers. And we had all left John Murray when it was sold by the family to a much bigger organisation. Um, so we had a lot of discussions around the kitchen table about what we wanted to do. And um, it evolved, I suppose, from, from our own personal tastes and preferences. And ever since then, we've always just followed our gut instincts rather than following market trends or a perception of what we think is wanted. We just do what we enjoy doing and we hope that other people feel the same. And so, so Gail, you were in from the start. You were one of the founders. So I'm surrounded by other people here as well. So when, when did everyone else get into this? I will gradually explain. Um, so we, when we started, uh, Hazel and Steph were both um, freelance. And I was the only sort of full-time employee, although I didn't actually pay myself for quite a long time. But I was the one in the office and I was the one taking the phone calls and taking orders for subscriptions and editing and dealing with the printer and banking the checks and all of that. Um, all the fun stuff. Uh, all the fun stuff. So every single thing that we do, I have done at some point or other. But obviously, um, unfortunately, we began to grow and therefore we needed more staff. So the first person to come along was Jenny, who I think will probably tell you what it was like in the very early days. Okay, Jenny, Jenny take us back. <laughs> well, actually, I met Gail at a party, and um, Steph, who's a very good fixer-upper of people, knew that I was sort of looking for something new, and she knew that Slightly Fox needed somebody. And so she sort of pushed me over to Gail, because she thought we'd get on. And um, Gail said, well, what are you doing next week? And I said, well, actually, nothing. <laughs> so she said, well, come into the office. So I went into the office, and, when and was this? Um, so this was in December, I think it was 2006. So yeah, 10, 10 years ago. 12 years um, ago. 12 years ago, God, <laughs> sorry. Maybe <laughs> it was 2007. So I do books, not maths, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and I went in for two weeks, and I stuffed envelopes, I helped with the phone, I took the dog for walks, um, and then during the kind of busy Christmas period where it's it's always quite hectic here, and then I went back in January, and then I just never left, and I've been here ever since. Excellent, mm. okay, and then, and so who, who, what's our chronology here for everybody else? So then I, sorry, this is Anna, I um, then came, and it was a sort of similar story in that you, you come for a little bit, help out, and then find yourself here however many years later after doing lots and lots of ribboning and lots and lots of trips to the, you know... I'm sorry, what's ribboning? I've never heard of that. Ah, well, that's very important, <laughs> crucial um, when it comes to Slightly Fox gifts and sending out um, our quarterly magazine um, to uh, to all of the recipients of these gifts. We, we, we ribbon them. Well, it used to be different ribbon every quarter. Now we have upgraded to our own signature, slightly foxed ribbon, right. um, which um, which we have piles and piles and piles of, of ribboned issues now. So it's crucial to the workings um, and keeping the customers happy. Um, so we all begin there. And then we gradually kind of move our way up and get involved in different things and specialise. Um, so I think that, I mean, it's been a similar story with, with everybody here, really. Come for a couple of weeks of work experience and then, if you know, you stick, really. 
I'm, I'm just going to butt in here because um, Jenny and Anna are both far too modest to say what they now do. So Jenny, having started as, as dog's body number one, has now become the person who is uh, responsible for the creation and uh, running of our website. Um, she's also uh, the person who's responsible for creating a database which is essential for a magazine that's based on subscriptions. She designs all of our leaflets and all of our catalogues and also generally runs the office. So um, she's absolutely critical to how things go. And Anna um, probably still does a bit of ribboning, but actually she is now the person who deals with all the bookshops whom we supply and with bookshop orders. And she also runs the uh, online bookshop that we have on our website. Um, and she does a lot of editorial work as well. So she has also... Um, gone up from being a dog's body and then the next person to arrive was Olivia yes and um, in exactly the same fashion um, I came down in one October just after graduating um, spent quite a lot of time stuffing envelopes for the annual autumn mailing um, and enjoyed it so much that I came back the following January and I've never left so <laughs> and when was this that was um, October 2003 13, I think, so I'll have, I've done four full years, I think. So, Olivia, describe what you now do, because you've... you've now, I have graduated slightly from that, and um, I am in charge of the renewals programme, so when people's subscriptions subscri um, expire, I send them letters. Um, I also help Jenny with the Instagram account, um, help Anna with the Twitter account, and also... Um, help Steph with our marketing programme um, for various leaflets and things um, to be inserted into other magazines. So. Excellent. So that, so that sounds like that has developed into a whole role in the last three years or so. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, um, and then the final full-time member of staff is Hattie, um, who is very new, really, aren't you? How long have you been here, Hattie? Um... I first came again, like the uh, the rest of the Motley crew, um, <laughs> to do some work experience. My dad's been a subscriber for years and years, and after I finished my degree, he said, come along, you know, apply, see what you can do there. And I had a lovely email from Anna, and I came along again, stuffed envelopes, ribboned various things, and then... That was February 2015, I think, um, and then came back in the December, and then the following August, Gail said, we've got a job for you, um, would you like to come for a bit? And then again, I've not left, so that was, yeah, a year and a half ago now. And so it's so a year and a half ago, so what is yeah. that job, what do you do here? Um, kind of everything else, <laughs> um, um, all the bits and pieces, um, exciting things like buying stationery um, and, um, you know, processing orders, packing up the subscriptions. If you get books or magazines from us, they've more than likely been packaged up by me with um, help at busier times from uh, much more experienced staff members. <laughs> What Hattie's not saying is that, that obviously the phone goes constantly uh, with a lot of people ringing up rather than ordering via the website they ring up and they, they want this book and they want to renew their subscription and they want to give something to somebody else and it's invariably Hattie that, that speaks to them takes the order and if it's not Hattie then it'll be Olivia or Anna but Hattie is the main point of contact so she's an incredibly busy woman and um, uh, puts the rest of us to shame in terms of you know how much she gets through each day. 
So I, I think one of the things, I'm getting tied up by a dog here <laughs> with my, my microphone. Not so much noise or moved around so much as he has during Okay, the, 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 I think that one of the things that is coming through this a bit of a thread is the idea of like a, a very hands-on approach and a, a bit of a kind of family sort of feeling. The, yes. Gail, is that something that you've deliberately fostered over the years or is this just how it's kind of it's, fallen out? It's not, it's not deliberate, it's just the way that we've operated and um, I don't think that Hazel or Steph or I have ever really been interested in the sort of hierarchy and politics that you get in big companies, which is why we worked for John Murray for so long, which was a family firm. And I suppose we've carried on that ethos, and um, uh, it seems to work really well. And, and it's lovely to see all the girls starting off with, you know, they've got a degree, but they haven't really worked before. Um growing into uh you know taking on new responsibilities and learning new skills and uh i think that sort of helps the company enormously um and and i hope the company in return helps them and so we're, we're sitting here in a pretty special place because we're just well we're on hoxton square and there's a room which is absolutely heaving with books all of these packed up books ready to be bought by people but it's also a very homely place. So why do we have sofas and a little kitchenette and things in here? Um, well, because it's always been um, in wherever I happen to live. And um, this is actually a live workspace. So we, there is one bedroom here. And I actually live in um, Devon most of the time. But when I'm here, um, that, that's where I sleep. Uh, but the rest of the time, it's an office. And it's nice for everybody to have an area where they can you know, cook lunch or sit down and chat and, and what have you. Um, yeah, yeah. And and so, again, so that's one uh, dissimilarity from most magazine publishing offices. The other one is all these books. Because you don't just publish a magazine, of course, you also publish your Slightly Fox editions. So well, what's that all about and how does that fit into the picture? Um, well, after we'd been going with a magazine for about four years, um, Hazel and I talked about I mean we're publishers by by background and I'm afraid it, if you are a publisher you, you kind of can't help yourself you know so it was inevitable really that we would turn to thinking about doing books and Hazel in particular has a passion for for memoirs um, and we came up with a short list of about eight titles which we knew were out of print and thought were worth doing so we launched slightly Fox editions and the very first one was Rosemary Sutcliffe's childhood memoir and we, they're printed by the same printers that we use for the quarterly, and they are hand-bound, and they're limited edition, so each copy is numbered. We only do 2,000 of each, and once they've sold, that's it, they've, they've gone. And we've just published our 41st in that series. Um, and then a few years ago, we also started a series called Slightly Fox Cubs, which is um, reissuing children's books that we feel still have a life um, um, which have fallen out of print and we've done uh, I think 15 titles in that series so far. So, so you're, you're a magazine publisher and book publisher yes. and all of I mean obviously it's very symbiotic because you have the print magazine where you can talk about some of these books that then your subscribers may want to also buy. I can say again from experience um, that you have a very engaged 
subscriber base. Mm -hmm. So the, we, we do um, flyer swaps with various people. Mm -hmm. And the flyers that go in Slightly Foxed are always some of the best ones in terms of people coming back. And I think it just shows that something comes from Slightly Foxed and people go, oh, I'll give this a try. I might like this because I know I like these people. Do, how, how do We're you... very choosy about who we allow to insert in Slightly Foxy, <laughs> so you're right up there. Well. Um, but it is, I mean, we don't take huge amounts of advertising. I think each issue has one, maybe two adverts, and they are always things that we think will be of interest to readers. So the Royal Society of Literature, the Folio Society, the London Library, you know, we, we're genuinely taking these adverts because we think they add something to the mag, not because we want to make revenue. Um, and I suppose the same thing goes for leaflets. Um, so when, you know, when the parcel comes every quarter, the subscribers, you know, they get their magazine, they get the catalogue, but they also get a few other things that they think, you know, actually these do sound interesting and I will give them a go and they're sort of being recommended by us. So, yeah, it just adds to the general quarterly package that they get. So number 57 of the magazine, oh, sorry, issue 57 of the magazine is just out now. Uh, can you tell us why isn't there a fox on the cover this time? Oh, you haven't been looking hard enough, Steve. Here he is. That's not the cover. That's <laughs> the back, on the back. cover. That's, that's cheating. I was, so there's a picture of uh, of the Thames uh, with what is that? Is that a, a view from Waterloo Bridge? I think, I think it's Westminster, so London Eye. I think he calls it's it's a by a chap called Luke Martinet, yes. who um, is the president of the Chelsea Art Society. Um, but Gail actually chooses all of our all of our cover art, so she's definitely the best person to talk to. You and and you that. normally have a fox worked somewhere into the we, cover. We normally have a fox worked into the cover, um, and I can't tell you how many images of foxes I've looked at over the years. And there does come a point when you simply can't force it, and um, a fox on the Thames. I mean, you know, how? <laughs> so I'm afraid we have. We we've now decided that that actually he can legitimately appear on the back of the cover if needs be, um, uh, simply because otherwise, you know, I, I think you can have too much of a good thing basically. <laughs> um, but rest assured that come the summer issue, we've got a glorious uh, painting of. Um, a beautiful 18th century mug, and that has a charming little fox on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, I'm reassured. There's only one issue that has absolutely no fox at all. I think yes. it's issue two. Issue yes. two. Yeah. But that's a picture. Issue two rather caught me by surprise. So we, we commissioned the cover for issue one, which is a glorious picture of a lady wearing a, a fox as a hat on her head. And... Um, we got that issue out. And, of course, this was very, very early days, and suddenly... Uh, the prince said to me, so, so, so where's cover for issue, issue two? They're from Yorkshire, and they're very Yorkshire. <laughs> and um, I thought, oh, my God, um, yes, we need a cover. And uh, I happened to have a, uh, a print by a Japanese friend uh, of a couple of men on a beach in Cornwall looking, I thought, slightly foxed. So it's a kind of in-joke, and it, but it was also a sign of desperation. Um, and I, I very quickly learned after that that we really did have to think quite far ahead. So um, we haven't been rushed again. Yeah. Well, so this is it. So you're a quarterly, and the publishing landscape is littered with magazines with the something quarterly in the title, and you find that they come out two times a year or maybe three times. I mean, a quarterly publishing schedule looks from the outside like for a year that's easy enough but actually it's relentless you yeah. you've got to be on the next thing straight away and um, you we most feel that when it comes to delivery day because um they come 
down from Yorkshire while Paul does in his big van which is loaded up with all of the new publications and every every quarter when it's delivery day we can't believe it's the next delivery day again so you're actually seeing the office fa- fairly empty right now um, come delivery day it's there's boxes everywhere and then we're getting everything into post bags so it's post bags everywhere um, so yes each quarter does come around quite quickly but there is a very tight schedule and spreadsheets for everything so we know exactly when we need to get things done by um, yeah, so it, it does work, but it's yeah, it's it's quite a quick turnaround. Okay, so you you're here. You have this lovely working space. You have uh, a lovely, friendly team and a great clubby kind of tone of voice. What really annoys you? What would you What would you change tomorrow if you could? Hattie, come on. <laughs> you're on the front line there. Oh gosh. Um... Well, I'd never say that uh, we want any less orders than we do, but um, they do come in a flurry. If they could be more spread out over the quarter, that would be lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, people tend um, to receive their issue, and then that's when they want to just order everything. So yeah. we know that when when they hit the um, you know the doormat, then it's going to go mad. <laughs> so we're prep- prepared for that. Okay, so a message to you slightly Fox subscribers out there. <laughs> Give these guys a break, space things out a bit. Uh, thank you so much for um, talking today. Um, and I haven't read this new one yet, so I'm looking forward to finding a whole load of other books that I need to go and read. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. 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 Okay, that's all for this week. One of the things we hear a lot from independent publishers is the sheer difficulty of keeping these creative enterprises afloat. So the fact that they've been going for 15 years is particularly impressive. And I think you can hear that Gail and her co-founders, Hazel and Steph, have used their experience as publishers to create the sort of organization that they themselves would want to work for. We've got lots of conversations with other independent magazine makers just waiting for your ears, so if you'd like to hear some of those, search for Stack Magazines on SoundCloud or iTunes, and of course, if you follow us while you're there, we'll be able to deliver next week's episode to you as soon as it's ready. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode next week.